But look, it's really good to be back home. It really is. And I, I want to take a moment and thank all the team, the volunteers, and all those who did all the stuff there. Special thanks to Natalie and Mason, who uh, sort of over uh, saw a lot of uh, the stuff. So can we put our hands together for all the team and staff? And thank you. But look, we really did have a great uh, sabbatical. Uh, uh, you know, as you know, Anita's house is near the beach, and so to, to swim in the Arabian Sea every day was uh, was a nice thing. And of course, it was great having Gia and Jeremy and the uh, at least three of the grandkids there: Isaac, Rosie, and uh, Anna. And of course, Ruben was with us as well, my son. Uh, and uh, we we had a had a blast hanging out with all our cousins and relatives and aunties, uncles, and we we attended a, a, a spectacular family wedding like like the next level the next level it's like you know a thousand people or whatever it was just like being in it, it, we attended a wedding it was like being in a movie that's how how big it was and uh, I, I, I want to say my my son became very famous there for his dance moves uh the, I didn't know he could twist like that or or or, or dance like that but uh, but he came became quite a uh, celebrity in that uh, environment and uh, I, yeah, I just didn't know he could he could dance <laughs> uh, uh, like that. But but it was so good. It was so good. And Anita, of course, got to spend time with her mum, who turned 91 while we were there, and is not keeping the best of health. And so it was just good to be able to uh, spend time with her. And of course, towards the end of our time, we popped up to uh, Pune, uh, which is a city we lived in for nine years. We planted a church there. And as Aaron said, or sorry, as the uh, announcement said, we've got a, a campus down in um, uh, Tawa, but we also have another one in India as well. And so uh, they celebrated 27 years uh, of uh, existence. And so we were able to go there and speak there and cut the cake and uh, celebrate with them. Uh, at that time, and, and it was just beautiful. I also got to speak in the New Life Church uh, there, which we were a part of for many, many years. I don't know whether you're aware of this. We're, we're obviously lead the New Life movement, but in 1964, some New Life pastors went over to India. They planted a church in Pune and, that, uh, and another one in Mumbai, and that has grown to thousands and thousands of churches all around India. It's its own movement. It does its own thing right now. And so it was great to just be able to touch base with them after really quite a number of years. I haven't been there since 2000, I think to, to do ministry since 2017 there in that church. And so it was great to catch up uh, again. And of course, because we we're in, in Pune, we knew Helen and uh, Kiara were just down the road in Mumbai, just a few hours drive. So we jumped in a taxi, went and uh, saw them and had a great time uh, there. And we did the news. First got out of the car, right? We're doing the church announcements, put it on, got to get it there for next week, which we did. And then, believe it or not, believe it or not, then we got a, we found out the, our DTS, our, disciple, our YWAM Discipleship Training School directors uh, who live in Tauranga were actually in India getting some dental work done. Lots of people are going there, getting their stuff done and taking a holiday as well. And so they were actually there getting there. And we haven't seen them for like 20 years. And so they're, they're like, hey, do you want to catch up? And, and the sweet thing is, is they were the ones who gave Anita away at our wedding. They, they represented her mum and dad and walked her uh, down the aisle. And it, 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 it was just so beautiful to catch up with them. Also, Ivo and Wendy, can you stand up there? Ivor and Wendy. So Ivor and Wendy were at our wedding as well, weren't you? They used to work with Ivor about two million years ago. And, 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 
uh, you know, he's turned up at church last six months and uh, stuff, so it's great to have you here, man and woman of God, just love the church and love, uh, love people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's, but it's good. And then I just found out in the foyer that you were Aaron's teacher, Pastor Aaron's te- teacher, uh, many, many years ago. It's a small world after all. And I don't know whether Alan Young is here. Is Alan Young here? I don't know if he's there. There he is. Stand up, Alan. Alan was our photographer at our wedding. He wasn't saved then. He saw what a beautiful wedding is, got saved. He's still here in church. Amen. Hallelujah. That's good. Hey, I don't know if you remember each other. I don't know if you sat at the same table, but that's Ivor. That's Alan. You're at our wedding. It's good to, it's good to have you. Uh, good to have you both here. And Anyway, it was great to catch up. <laughs> I must move on. It was great to catch up with them and of course, if you know Jira and you're friends with her on Instagram, she made a cool Instagram. It was very, like, captured the high cried when I saw it. And, and it was just a cool capturing of all the beautiful moments and, uh, uh, in the Instagram world, of all the fun. And, you know, she put a beautiful song to it, and it made me, uh, made me cry. And, of course, I want to tell you the whole high. And if you watched it, you would have thought, oh, that's just so amazing. But I've got to tell you, it wasn't all like that. <laughs> it wasn't all Instagram uh, moments. Like the first thing we did is we went to Singapore, we went to Universal Studios, the kids will love it. I was like, they'll love this ride. Put them on this ride, they'll love it. <laughs> they didn't like it. <laughs> uh, they were screaming, they were crying. The ride had just started moving and they were screaming, crying. I've never seen them so frightened in my life. And of course, at the end of the ride, I had never been so frightened when Gia had came in. <laughs> just, just said things to me that she probably shouldn't say, but... But then I said, well, this next, ride will be, this next ride will be good, and it wasn't. And so I just, I, I just gave up uh, afterwards. But, but, but there's lots of moments that didn't end up on Instagram. Like on the first day we were in Goa, I, I, I introduced Anna's head to the windscreen of the car because we're in India, and who needs seatbelts? Seats, uh, seatbelts are not needed until I hit that speed breaker and sent her into the windscreen. Just letting you know the car was okay. The windscreen was broken. Anna was okay. And it was okay too, but, but, you know, we had lots of adventures. The very next day, we woke up and, uh, uh, you know, got ready, and suddenly we realized Isaac was missing. Isaac was missing, so we're like, where's, where's Isaac? Gia was very calm. <laughs> Not, she was, uh, she was very calm, but, but Isaac had gone missing. We couldn't find him anywhere. I went out, I, uh, I, and, and again, we've watched Sound of Freedom. We know, we, it was like, hey, has he been kidnapped or whatever? And now I, you know, after 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I'm starting to go, boy, he really is, he really is missing. And we couldn't find him and we're yelling out. And so I'm, I'm riding down the road this way, asking people, have you seen this little kid uh, going down the road this way? And it finally finds out Isaac thought it was a good idea to hide underneath the bed. Hide underneath his bed. He can barely get under. Like, it's not even like a... Just, he, 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 let me assure you, he will never do that again. So life wasn't all Instagram. And, and of course, I, I'm glad to be back home. <laughs> and, and I'm glad to be back home because towards the end of the, end of the time, you know, it was just like uh, we got hit by a truck. So I got hit by a truck. I picked up and he assisted from the airport. We got up 4 a.m. in the morning, drove an hour and a half, picked her up, come, coming back, got hit by a truck. And so when you get hit by a truck, you go, it's time to come back home. <laughs> it's time to come back home. I've been hit by a truck. And, and not because I was hit by a truck, because now I'm starting to do stuff I can do in New Zealand, like go and find a panel beater and all that kind of... I was like, I, I, this isn't beach time. It's time to come home. So I'm glad I'm home. Amen. I hope you're glad to have us home. I hope you're happy to have us home. And, and uh, we, we are certainly glad to uh, be back home. But we really did have... A marvelous time. 
And so this is my first in-house message of 2024. And if you know me, you know you've, you've been a part of the church for a long time. You, you know I'm not one of those pastors who's going to do, you know, there's more in 2024. Even though that's an amazing title and it rhymes. It would be a great title and a great message. But I'm not that kind of guy. I'm, I'm sure there is more in 2024. But I want to share with you a message that has been on my heart for a little while. I want to begin with a short series I've simply titled or called The Price. The Price. And it really comes from a reflection of what God's been doing in my life and in, and in my heart. And, and I hope it challenges you. It certainly challenged me as I've been reflecting and um, musing over what I will share. And, and, and again, it's just a reflection of what God is doing in, in my, my life. And I hope... You're blessed by it. I hope it challenges, challenges you. I, I, I do desire that it would do that. But like I said, it's a reflection of what God is doing in my heart. You see, there is a cost to following Jesus. There is a cost to following Christ. And Jesus told us, to count it, to count the cost. In Luke chapter 14, verses 27 through 28, he said, whoever does not bear his own cross, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he is enough to complete it? There is a cost to following Christ. It was Valentine's Day this week and I saw a post from Nicky Gumbel who pioneered the ministry Alpha and he was speaking of St. Valentine uh, from which we got the whole notion of a Valentine's Day. Uh, St. Valentine surely understood the price. He, the real St. Valentine really he did understand the cost of the cross. Here is what Nicky Gumbel wrote. On the 14th of February, 269 AD, St. Valentine was imprisoned and beheaded for helping persecuted Christians and marrying persecuted Christian couples. While in prison, awaiting his execution, he prayed for his jailer's daughter and her blindness was healed. On the day of his execution, he left her a note signed, Your Valentine. Happy Valentine's Day. See, St. Valentine understood the cost, the price of the cross. But I guess the challenge or the question for us today into, in the world in which we live today is do we? As believers, do we understand the cost and the price of the cross? And so this is part one of the price, which, which I've entitled Pearls and Pigs. Pearls and Pigs. Jesus 
shares a very short proverb in Matthew chapter 7. This, this is a small fragment of his most famous discord, often, discourse, often called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says this. He says, do not give dogs what is holy. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs. If you read the authorized King James Version, it uses the word swine. Do not cast your pearls before swine. Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. George Swinnick, who was a 16th century Puritan theologian and Bible teacher who pro produced a tremendous volume of work admired by the likes of the great Charles Spurgeon and too many others to mention, he, he made this comment on this proverb. He said, swine trample on pearls because they do not know their value. Swine trample on pearls because they do not know their value. Pigs trample on pearls because they do not know their value or their worth. They're pigs. When we were young, and some of you might still do this today, when we were young, our mothers, should they find our room messy, would often say, this room... Looks like a pig. How, how many had their mothers say that to them? Healing in Jesus' name right across this uh, auditorium, auditorium. So they would say, this room looks like a pig sty. And, and of course, they were referring to the often dirty, filthy, smelly environment that the pig enjoys living in. You know, when we were in, India, one of our daily routines. In India, there's so many animals. That's one of the things I love. The kids loved animals. We, we, we had a monkey on our uh, car. We, we went to this place. and before, We were going to a zoo, and before we even got to the zoo, there was a monkey on our roof. He did a little wee, which was awkward because no one wanted to touch the door handle. But we'd have monkeys on our roofs and just animals every, everywhere. It's just, a, you, you know, we, we have zebra crossings here. In India, anything can be crossing. I'm just, I'm just telling you right now. And so... So anything could be crossing. And, and, and one of the things that we do every day, which was a routine, is we, we, we'd go and get hot bread. So there was a baker down the road. It's a thing in Goa about Portuguese heritage and stuff. And so, so, so they'd have these bakers, and they bake this beautiful hot bread in these clay ovens. And you could, if you get there at 8 o'clock, you can go and buy the hot bread. You can watch them pull it out of the oven and, and, and just melt butter, and you, and you can eat it. And they are delicious. And so every day I'd get on the scooter and I'd take one of the grandkids. They would fight to get on uh, on it. And, and, and we'd take the scooter back and forth to the baker. And one of the things that happened as we were on the scooters, we'd pass this certain house that had pigs, lots of pigs. And every, every time we'd go past, we'd go, hello, Mr. Pig. And we'd wave at the pigs. And let me just say that it really was a house where the pigs were. They it was muddy, it was filthy, it was, it was smelly. It was everything that you would imagine a pig's environment 
to be. And it was part of the process of, of just thinking about as I'm reading this and get, forming this in my head, that was one of the things that was like, this is, this is the environment that Jesus was speaking of when he talked about casting the pearls to the pigs. I asked AI, I'm trying to learn out how to use it to generate a picture of a pig in its environment. And so this is the picture that AI generated in a few seconds for me. And I think that's a pretty accurate description of a pig's environment into which the pearls would be thrown, trampled, and eventually lost in the mud and filth of the pig. That is the environment we must understand that Jesus is speaking of when he says, do not cast your pearl Pearls to swine, to pigs. Now, of course, when Jesus shared this proverb, he was speaking to a crowd of primarily Jews. And so if we're to exegete the scripture properly, I think it's important that we ask, what did those who heard Jesus understand of the pearl? What did they understand of the, the pearl, its worth, and its value. Well, in Jewish thinking, pearls hold a great deal of symbolic meaning. Within the Jewish culture and tradition, pearls are, number one, a symbol of wisdom. You can research this for yourself. There is more. I'll give you four. They're a symbol of wisdom. Pearls are associated with wisdom and knowledge in Jewish teachings and tradition. Pearls are seen as a representation of the pursuit or attainment of wisdom. And of course, this has become a part of our culture too, a part of our Judeo-Christian culture. We, you and I, we would understand the use of the phrase when someone says something wise, we would say, that's a pearl of wisdom. We would understand that. We, it's a part of our culture. Secondly, it's a in Jewish tradition, it symbolizes, it's a symbol of, the pearl is a symbol of purity. Pearls are known for their natural beauty and purity, and, and in Jewish culture, they are seen as a symbol of holiness and purity, a symbol of righteousness and moral uprightness. See, the purity of pearls resonates with Jewish values of, of living righteous, a righteous and virtuous life. Thirdly, they're a symbol of wealth, prosperity, and protection. Pearls have historically, as we all know, been considered valuable and precious like gemstones. In Jewish culture, pearls have been associated with prosperity and abundance. They, they symbolize material wealth and blessings and protection from God. And number four, they're a symbol of the Torah. The Torah it's the book of the law, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's a, it's a symbol of the law of God, his commandments. And so in Jewish tradition, the Torah is often compared to a precious pearl. Just as a pearl is hidden within an oyster shell, the wisdom and knowledge of the Torah are seen as treasures that need to be sought and discovered. And so the Torah is considered a priceless gem that brings enlightenment and guidance to those who 
studying. And so to those hearing Jesus that day, they, they would have understood the symbolic fullness and, and meaning. They would have understood the, the value, the weight, and the great worth of the pearl. And of course, for the New Testament Christian, much of this symbolism is also understood in our culture in the same way. The pearl is something of great value and worth in the book of Revelation. Chapter 21, verse 21, the apostle John in his apocalyptic uh, vision speaks of the, the 12 gates of the new or heavenly Jerusalem in which he described each of the heavenly gates being made of pearl. Revelation 21, verse 21, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls, each of the gates made of a single pearl. And of course, in our humor, in our culture, we will talk on often in one-liner jokes when we appear at the pearly gates. That's where it comes from. It's mixed. It's part of the fabric of our culture, and we don't even realize it. And so again, the gates of the new Jerusalem made of pearls symbolize and represent what? Beauty, purity, value, exclusivity, divine protection, and that there are gates, and the gates keep out that which is unholy. All of these things are associated with the pearl in the heavenly city. The pearl, pearly gates serve as a visual representation of the splendor and sacredness of the eternal dwelling place of the righteous. And of course, the amazing thing is here is that Jesus on purpose uses the opposing contrast of pitting the pearl against the pig. The pearl against the pig. Because if you've been around the Bible for a while, you, you will know that, that for the Jew, the pig is considered unclean, impure. In fact, everything the pearl is, the pig is not. And yet Jesus uses this, this, this extreme, this extreme opposite to help Bring a point. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, the pure to unpure, the clean to unclean. Swine trample on pearls because they do not know their value. The most expensive pearl in the world is known as the peregrina pearl. This pearl is a large shaped pear-shaped pearl. It's famously known for its rich in history and exceptional beauty. It was discovered in the 15th century by a slave and he used it to buy his freedom. What makes the peregrina pearl particularly valuable is not just the pearl itself but who's owned the pearl. Who, whose pearl it is over the last few hundred years it's been associated with famous historical figures royalty, including Spanish queens and British royalty. And of course, Richard Burton famously gave it to Elizabeth Taylor. If you're here today and you do not know who Elizabeth Taylor is, she was, back in the day, looked at as one of the most beautiful women in the world. In fact, Richard Burton thought she was so beautiful, he married her twice. 
She was actually married eight times. And so he married her twice. And on one occasion, he gave her the Peregrina Pearl. Today, it's privately owned. It's not known by who, but what we do know is that when Elizabeth Taylor's collection, jewelry collection, was sold, last sold in 2011, the Peregrina Pearl fetched a price of eight million pounds sterling. In New Zealand dollars, that's $16,500,000. Guys, we need to step it up on Valentine's Day. Come on, son. <laughs> yeah, yeah, settle down. Elizabeth Taylor tells how when she was given the pearl and all the excitement of it all, getting up, hugging Richard for the second time. And all the excitement of the, the moment and stuff have been presented, this, this, the world's most valuable pearl. When she reached out to go back to it on the table, it was gone. It was not able to be seen. And, and, and so they're like, where, where, where is the pearl? And suddenly she could hear her little Pekingese dog crunching on something. He was, you know, and when she opened his mouth, the pearl was inside the dog's mouth. Uh, luckily, the pearl was unscratched and unscathed. Dogs eat pearls, and swine trample on pearls, because neither dogs nor pigs know their value. Jesus said, "Do not give dogs what is holy." And do not throw pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. And as I thought about what Jesus, when Jesus said this in the proverb, it seemed obvious to me actually that, I'll let you know when to start. Got three hours left. No. But as I thought about this, as I reflected on this, as I meditated on this, it seemed obvious to me that men would only throw pearls to a pig because they themselves did not understand their value or worth. Men would only throw pearls to a pig because they themselves did not understand their value or worth. And I wonder how many of us, even today, do not understand the worth, the price, the value of what we have in Christ. And I can't help reflect on the, the state of the Western church and the Western believer, indeed even Western society in general, and how far it has fallen, fallen away from its Christian roots, from its Christian heritage now calling good evil and evil good, in fact, celebrating it. I, I, don't, I don't think we fully understand or engage with or, in fact, even comprehend or appreciate how much in days past our society, our laws, morals, rights, and freedoms have been influenced by the Judeo-Christian ethic. 
I don't know if we get it. And how it actually affects and protects our lives, our nation for good, our families and our freedoms, your families and your freedoms. I don't think we see it. As a nation, we don't understand the great value or worth our Christian heritage provides. And so the pearls are trampled. Our culture easily discards or despises it and now feels free to trample, turn, and attack it. The very thing that has brought us our freedom and rights, and so our society slowly erodes to a covert neo-Marxism disguised as social justice attacking all that is precious and good and noble and right and free in this nation. And I just want to say, like the, like the song goes, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. God, may the church wake up in this nation. May we wake up. Jesus said this in Matthew 13, verse 45. That the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Who when he had found the one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Jesus describes, and I pray we would understand, that the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl, a, a pearl of immense value. Immense value and worth. And this great pearl is symbolic of all, all the kingdom of heaven encompasses, purity and wisdom, a symbol of great beauty and immense value, in fact, priceless. This pearl, Jesus says, is of such great value, it's worth giving up all in order to attain it. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant, it says, seeking this pearl, seeking beautiful pearls. I want to ask you today as we enter into this new year, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? If you're honest in, in your heart of hearts, what are you seeking? Jesus, of course, tells the great crowd gathered on the mountain that we should seek first the kingdom of God. We should seek first the kingdom of God and, and, and his righteousness and all the other stuff that we worry about and concerns our life and all the other stuff that, that, that we think we need and I've got to have that in order to be happy. All that other stuff he will take care of if we would seek him first. What are you seeking? In your heart of hearts, what are you seeking? What, what do you truly seek? What are you going, what are you going after? Because Jesus said in the same chapter, he actually warned us. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And he went on to continue to warn us, saying, no one can serve two masters. Either he will love one and despise the other. We cannot serve two. Who are you serving? Who are you seeking? 
his kingdom, the pearl of great price, do, do you, do we understand its worth and value in a way that we would be prepared to lay it all down in order to pick it up? Well, Christianity isn't just an addition to our lives, a nice little extra self-help, but it's the very source of our strength. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it and bought it. Okay. <laughs> the pearl of great price. Oh, great price was paid for our freedom. The pearl of great price. You know, I've used George Swinnick's quote a number of times today. And as we come to a close, I want to read this quote in its full context and let it challenge you. We need to be challenged, church. Let it challenge us. Here's the full quote in its context. He said, truly, men do not know the worth of what God offers them. The money the devil and the world offer is in their own currency and is, in, is, and is familiar to them. Swine trample on pearls because they do not know their value. Men prefer the poor things they have because they are in their current possession. The devil seeks to pick out the eyes of men that they do not see the blessed God and the happiness that is to be enjoyed in him. Oh, how dull is the world's glass in the presence of true crystal. The magnet of the earth will not draw man's affections while heaven is visible. He that is fed on the heavenly banquet cannot savor anything else. What are you seeking? The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other stuff will be added to you. And so perhaps the takeaway this week or the challenge this week for all of us is to spend some time reflecting honestly is where's my treasure? Where's my heart? Where do my affections lie in relation to the pearl of great price? Do I truly understand the true worth and value of my Christian heritage? The true worth and value of what it means to follow Christ, the true cost of the cross. And maybe use that time of reflection to realign your, your heart and to get to a place where we say, not my will, but your will be done. See, again, I think it's so important that we remember we... He came not to serve us. 
We serve Him. He is God. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. When we seek Him, when we align our lives with this purpose, Well, that is what true treasure is. Let us not throw our pearls to pigs. There endeth the lesson. I hope it makes you think. There is more in 2024, but it might be different than what you think. Align yourself to His purpose and plan to His ways, not your ways. May His will be done, not ours. Can I hear a good amen on that? You know, before I close, I just want to give an opportunity for people here today, if maybe you've come in here for the first time, I want to give you an opportunity to get right with with God. It's important. When I was in Goa on the last day I was there, I thought I'll just take a quick scooter ride around the villages and just see these places one last time. I jumped on my scooter, and it's easy to ride around. You don't wear a helmet or anything. It's just, you cruise around. And so as I got into one village, the bell was ringing. At the Catholic church there, the bell was ringing. Ding, 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 ding. So I pulled over to take it. It it was kind of nice. And the bell ringer came over. I said, what message are you sending to the people? The, The bells have a message that they would send out across the town. And he, he said, oh, someone died in the village last night and we're sending the message. And that thought came straight away, that quote, for whom the bell tolls. See, the bell will toll for every single one of us. Somewhere, someday, the bell will toll. Are you ready for eternity, my friend? You know, life has many choices. Eternity only has two. If the bell tolled for you, where would you spend eternity? Do you know Him? You might be saying, well, I'm not good enough to get into heaven. I need to fix up my life. Friends, the good news of the gospel is not about how bad you are. It's about how good He is. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. It's what He has done, not what you can do. Our job is just to surrender and say, my Lord and my God, do you need to do that today? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, this is a holy moment. In a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer that says, Jesus, be the king of my life. If you're here today and you know you need to get right with God, I'm gonna count to three. And if you're here and you're saying, could you include me in this prayer? You're gonna pray. I need you to put your hand up and say, Yep, that's me. Include me, Pastor, in the prayer. I need to get right with God here today. So on the count of three, one, Jesus loves you. Two, for he who knew no sin became sin for you. Three, you need to get right with God here today. Anybody in this house? Thank you, sir. Anyone else? You know you need to get right. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Slip those hands down. Anybody else knows they should have put their hand up, but they didn't. It's whatever, fear of man and whatever. Amen.
We're going to pray this prayer together. You repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I come to you today a sinner in need of a Savior. Today I turn from my sin. I repent and I turn towards God. Help me to follow you by your grace, in your grace, all the days of my life. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for those who said yes? Good Jesus. It's not the end of your journey, it's the beginning. You follow him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. May you grow in him. Now, if that was you and you said that for the first time on your way out, Pastor N down there has got a little gift that he will give you a New Testament. If you want to grab that, please do so on the way out. Otherwise, keep coming to church. Over here, if you need prayer for anything in your life, I want to encourage you after the service, please go to these uh, well-seasoned ministers as they and pray with and for you. Would you stand as I pronounce a blessing over you? I hope that encouraged you today. I know it was, you know, not perhaps what you were thinking, but we need to be challenged in these things. Again, it comes from a place when you live in a, spend time in, you know, I've lived for many years in India, where when you live in Islamic environments, Hindu environments and these things, and, and you see what we have in our nation, we need to be so thankful for it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Shalom to you and your children and your children's children. Wake up the church, O Lord, that we might stand for your purpose and your righteousness. Help us to be bold. Amen. Witnesses in this generation. So we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, that was all right. Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Service is over. Invite someone to church. Let's fill it.